All right, how you doing everyone? And welcome once again to Big Blue Kickoff Live here, brought to you by Coors Light, as always on Giants.com. I am Russ Salzberg. Sitting next to me is Lance Meadow at the controls, the lovely Nicole Barros. And of course, it's you out there gonna give us some calls and have some chats and talk about what's coming up. We know what's coming up. It will be the Detroit Lions this coming Sunday in Motown. And let's you know, cutting right to the chase, got to stop the bleeding. This three-game losing streak has to be made sure that it doesn't become a four-game losing streak. So the number, as always, for you to call is 201-939-4513. That is 201-939-4513. And again, we want to remind everybody, of course, that, as I said, Big Blue Kickoff Live here is brought to you by Coors Light. If you so wish to enter the ultimate VIP game day experience, courtesy of... Who else but Coors Light? Well, then you have to text VIP to 90464. That is VIP to 90464 for more details. Uh, I think what I said pretty much goes, you you know, when you're losing three in a row, you got to stop the bleeding by any means necessary. Yeah, interestingly, the Lions have also lost three in a row, Russ. So you got two teams that are looking to get back on the right track here. Moving forward, I think it's going to be very interesting to see what happens with respect to ball security for the Giants and whether or not they can put behind them some of the issues they have with respect to turning it over, changing field position. You know, that to me is the overwhelming issue right now with this team. 18 turnovers, minus 10 turnover differential. Until those things start heading in the opposite end of the spectrum, it's going to be very difficult regardless of the competition to close out games. You know, I was just chatting with um, Michael Thomas. Uh, I was doing a player profile on him for our uh, pregame show on Fox 5. And, you know, he brought out a good point. The good players have to play great, and the young guys yeah. have to step up. That's what needs to be done. And I, I, I think, I mean, listen, the one thing you can't do, this, this game is hard enough. Beating yourselves, you, you don't help the opponent beat you. Make them beat you. But by aid, aiding them, and of course, when you're turning the ball over as many times as you are, that has to, um, you know, that has to stop. Well, you can't give gifts to the opposition, Russ. That's what you can't afford to do. You have to capitalize when they make mistakes, and the last thing you could do is shorten the field for the Lions. Look at what happened with the Arizona game. You talk about those Chase Edmonds runs. You know, number of them were from 20-plus yards, but the twenty twenty. I think it was 20, 20, 20, 20 and 22. 22. Correct. But look at where the Cardinals started those drives. They weren't going 95 yards on the majority of those drives. Some of it was from midfield. Sometimes it was perhaps the 30-yard line for the Giants. So you do that, you give gifts, luxuries, as I like to call them, to the opposing team. You're putting yourself in a scenario that's going to be very hard to dig out of. And, you know, here's an opportunity. You're going up against a team that is also trying to get back on the winning track. The Lions traded away one of their starting safeties the other day, Quandre Diggs. They traded him to the Seahawks. Carryon Johnson, their starting running back, is on injured reserve. So, you know, they're losing personnel. They're banged up. They're just as hungry to get back on the right track as the Giants are. It, it, this is a good good test for both of these teams to I'm, see whether or not they can regroup. I'm going to do a quick uh, technical check. Are you hearing yourself in the microphone? I am hearing myself low. I am hearing you loud and clear. Okay, okay. But I am hearing myself enough. Okay, I just wanted to make sure you... If my mic is on. Maybe... It's possible Check, that oh, something is... Oh, now I just heard you. Okay, maybe there we needed to tweak something. All now, right. Now we qu- The lovely Nicole just gave the magic touch. So, see, there you go. And, and, and I was going to take the credit for doing something, Russ, and well, that, all of a sudden now you got to take away the credit from me. No, Thank you, you, you. I appreciate you, you, it. You were going to take you know. the credit. That's why you're still single. So yeah, well, absolutely. Yeah, okay. the, the bachelor life. Yes, okay. correct. That, yeah. that, that's where it goes. That's how I put it, but that, anyway. That's, yeah. And that's why Nicole has to beat him away with a stick, so that's what the deal is. I'm glad we clarified All right, we got listen, we're covering all the... The basis hey, that's here what we're here for. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> All right. No, but really, um, you can't. Again, it sounds it's the most cliche thing, but you know, don't beat yourselves. And, and yeah, you know, well, don't the, shoot the, yourself in the foot. The one thing about Daniel Jones, and everybody is making an issue, and I get it. He's the quarterback. He's the quarterback of the future. We made the change after two games. It, it's a big deal. Um, 
if anybody thought that Daniel was just going to run through the National Football League without any mistakes or, you know, hitting speed bumps, I mean, that was just being, that would have been downright foolish. The one thing, though, if, if I'm looking at a bright side of this, when I see Daniel Jones making mistakes, he's not cocky. There's a difference between cocky and confident. He, he, he's not cocky like, I can do this and I can do that. But I, I think some of the mistakes might come where like, like he's holding on to the ball too, too much or a little too longer because I can make the play. I want to make the play. And that's his aggressive, uh, aggressive nature. But I think that's something that he's learning, that you can't make all the plays. You can't fit it in just because you want to fit it in. You know, and, and it, that, but then again, there were good uh, things that happened. He did make some good throws. I mean, the, the touchdown pass to, to Red, Red Ellison was a thing of beauty. You know, there, there wasn't a whole lot of room there either. I mean, he laid it right in. So, you know, um, you move forward. They have to go ahead and try and uh, they really need to get this one straightened out because then they got Dallas coming in on Monday night. Yeah, well, you got three games left before the bye, and right now they're 2-5. and five, So, you know, you want to try to gain some momentum entering the bye, but... There are no layups in the National Football League. A lot of people are going to point to, okay, there's another winnable game against the Lions, but you know the Lions right now are searching for an identity, and you do not want to be the team, Russ, that gives them an opportunity to establish their identity. The Lions are bottom five in the league against the run, bottom five in the league against the pass. They're bottom five in the league in sacks. They only have 10 sacks. They have Snacks Harrison. You know He's been very vocal that you know he's not getting the opportunities that he's had in previous stints with other teams because they're putting a lot of double teams on him. They're putting a lot of pressure. So, you know, the Lions are looking to turn things around and, you know, the Giants need to take advantage of a team when they're down. That's the one thing we have yet to see this season. We haven't seen the Giants other than the Redskins game, yeah, yeah. I would point to Russ. But outside of that Redskins game, we have not seen them take advantage of a team that's hurting, is banged up, is struggling in a certain area. You know, that's something to me that I'll be watching for against the Detroit Lions. With respect to Daniel Jones, it's a copycat league. What I think happened is the Vikings threw some curveballs his way, which the Patriots picked up on, and so did the Cardinals. So what Daniel Jones needs to do now is... He needs to realize, okay, these are the things that teams are taking away from me. Or this is what's happening when I hold on to the football, and now I've got to counteract with my own curveball. You know, Kyler Murray, to me, not to get completely off topic, Russ, but if you watch that Cardinals game, Murray was so effective when he would run out of the pocket and he would try to elude defenders, he would immediately go down. He knew when the play was over. And he knew when he would just say to himself, hey, you know what? I got to live to see another down. I think Daniel Jones is going to have to start to grasp that and start to learn that. Hey, it's better to throw away the ball as opposed to try to hang on to it for another fraction of a second and maybe expose myself to a turnover. I think uh, that's an excellent point also. Uh, and listen, we, we know that Daniel Jones can run, but yeah. uh, Kyla Murray is another completely different situation when it Absolutely. comes to running. Yeah. And, and quite frankly, that that kind of philosophy has probably been drummed into his head going back to college. It has you, you been. Know, his, yeah, that was his, his speed MO. and his quickness. And, and yeah. I'm sure coaches said, listen, if you want to live for another day, both physically and mentally, you can't do this all the time. Correct. you got to know when to hold them and know when to fold them. You know, these no. are the things that you need to follow. These are the principles. All right, 201-939-4513 is the number. Let's uh, open up the phone lines this today with uh, Travis in Queens. Hello, Travis. You're on with Russ and Lance. What's up, man? How you guys doing? Good. How you doing, good Travis? Right, Travis? Good, good, good. So, um, Lance, you kind of went into my point. In a sense, but I, I disagree. Travis, ex you. Travis, Travis, excuse me a second. Are you talking on a, a, a speakerphone? If you are, please go to the regular phone because you sound like you're calling from a tunnel someplace. Uh, you hear me now? Well, we're hearing you a little better. Go ahead. All right. Um, I was saying, look, I was saying that I disagree with, uh, with Lynch and his comment about Daniel Jones, I think you said he has to do better, all right? And I think I think who has to do better is Sherman. Like that was 
that was a bad coaching uh, uh, situation that, that he dealt with. I mean, he didn't help Daniel Jones out at all. He had uh, Evan Ingram blocking Chandler Jones, which was crazy. He had what? Like his, Evan Ingram, he, he was had, saying, was blocking Chandler right. Jones. As, so, like, as a, as a head coach, you have to tell your rookie quarterback these things, and you have to make better uh, play calls for him when he can. He, he got killed that game. Well, but Travis, ho- he, Travis, ho- he, hold on. Travis, hold on one second. Hold, hold, let, let, listen, I, I think we would all agree unanimously that everybody needs to do better. Coaches, players, everybody. Uh, however, d- you can't say none of it is on Daniel Jones. The turnovers are too many. I, I mean, a- e- Eli, Phil Sims, Y.A. Tittle, all Charlie Connolly, all of them in history. You know, you you have to protect but, the football. But Russ, let me let me let, let me ask you this: Do you believe if if Daniel Jones was 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 playing under Bill Parcell, Bill Parcell wouldn't get into him about holding on to the ball. Well, but how no, do you no, know? No, well, how, hold on. How do you know that Shermer's yeah, not yeah, doing yeah, that? Yeah, Travis. You, you, I mean, first of all, yeah. you're talking about hypotheticals. What? I mean, come on. No, no, I'm not talking. No, that's not. I'm, I'm saying that's the type of coach. What I'm saying is, you have to listen. You have to coach whatever a weakness tra- is. Tra- as a coach, Travis, you have to, Travis, you have to coach it. Travis. I, I think you're being, and you're you're always a good caller, but I think you're being a little unfair here to think that no. Shermer is not telling him and talking to him about protecting the football and doing that. You know, it, you, you can talk till you're blue in the face. It's like, you know, it's like a fighter right. being in the ring and, and the trainer says to you, you got to move to your left. If you continually move to the right and get hit with a, a left hook, that ain't going to help you. You, you, you know, I mean, I mean, you can try all you want, but if you guys, you know, come on. In, in, in the right. action, it changes. That's, well, that, that, that's true when it comes to the boxer. That's absolutely right. This is my last question, right? Is, and be honest, please. Do you guys think if, if we don't win about seven games this year that you have to, you have to look at Sherma? Like, like listen, Sherma, Sherma's job is to coach. All 53 Look, at the end of the day. I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna be as honest. Trav, th- thanks for the call, buddy. I'm All gonna right, be, I, I'm gonna be as honest as I can with you on this. A coach, a general manager, the players, everybody is held responsible. Okay, e- everything is looked at. But you know, th- th- this business that. Um, you know, all of a sudden, Shermer, well, well, what's he's got to prove himself. He took over a team last year, and this this applies with Dave Gettleman. This applies with Pat Shermer. They took over a team last year. They're changing everything around. Okay, you, you just brought in a, a you made a monumental change in franchise history with the quarterback. Huge. I, I, I mean. If you expected, you know, to just automatically this is go, all going to work right away, you know, let, that's why I w- you heard me say it here. I don't know if I said it with you, Lance. I've said it with Paul. I've said it with with, with um, David Deal sitting next to me. This season cannot be measured by w- Ws, okay? It can't. Now, we all like that, and, and no coach is going to go into a game saying, well, you know, uh, I'm not interested in winning or I'm not trying to win or I don't think I can win. But the bottom line with this is you have to look at the big picture as fans, whether you like it or not. Same thing with the hierarchy. Am I seeing progress? And if I'm not seeing progress, then I have a major prog- uh, a major problem. But, uh, you know, I'm sorry. I don't view this team. I didn't view it going in as a playoff team. I'm not going to say it now. Now, if they would have gone to two and two, uh, excuse me, four and four, which they're not going to be able to do. Well, th- then you know, then dandelions are dancing in your well, head, and you start daydreaming a little bit. You know, that's fine. I don't think they're going to run the table now and end up uh, eleven and five. 
Well, I mean, it's hard to get a grasp on this team right now because of some of the inconsistencies. Plus, when you have a young quarterback, you're going to have ups and downs from that individual position. Forget the rest of the team. So, you know, all of that, I think, has been extremely evident. As far as the last caller's point, the problem I have is, you know, you're watching videos of Bill Parcells, and Bill Parcells was an extremely vocal, energized coach on the sidelines. There's that famous video of him going back and forth with Phil Sims. That was his coaching style, Russ. Not everybody is woven from the same cloth. So just because you don't see Shermer after Daniel Jones throws an interception or loses a fumble and you don't see him screaming in his ear doesn't mean that Shermer behind closed doors or Mike Shula are not coaching him up to emphasize to him that this has to be changed. He actually even emphasized that in today's press conference. We listened to what Pat Shermer said, and he said, hey, the turnovers, they got to end. I mean, he made it apparent that the ball security issues is one of the things that needs to change moving forward. So if you don't think that that's a priority, then I think you're being naive, and you just, you're not seeing that animation on the sideline, and that leads you to believe that it's just not being emphasized and not being coached up, which is furthest from the truth right now. Uh, today is Wednesday, am I correct? Last okay. time I checked, yes. So Shermer said it Sunday... Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And even uh, before then. Uh, no, listen, oh, yeah, yeah. Turnovers but, is not anything new. Come, you know, it, it was an issue prior. To so, this last game. so to say, you know, you, you can't say what Bill Parcells would have done or what this guy would have done. You know, I, I've heard that Lombardi this or Landry. Come on, you know, can't. Doesn't work that way. Uh, and, and you know, it's the same thing. Just because a guy, we were talking about it at lunch today. Just because somebody is intense. You know, visually intense doesn't mean he's more intense than the guy who is not exploding visibly. You know, everybody's everybody's intensity works a different way. Not everybody's a robot. Let's go out to the Windy City in in Chicago and check in with Mark. Hello, Mark. You're on with Russ and Lance. Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Hey, uh, Lance, I agree with you. Every coach has a different coaching style. And uh, Parcells was more the guy, the type of coach that he would call guys out. Yeah. You know, in your the face. press, where Shermer is not. And I'm sure he's sort of protecting these guys. These are young guys. And, you know, that's not to say that they're not getting their butts ripped out either by him or by the position coaches once they go behind closed doors. Exactly. Uh, that's my point exactly. I don't think you could read into it just because you don't see him extremely energized on the sideline. That doesn't mean that somebody's not a good coach. I, I think there's a variety right. of different coaches, even in today's NFL. Matt LaFleur, for example, who's coaching the Green Bay Packers. You know, he doesn't come across as a very animated, in-your-face type of guy. And Green Bay is one of the best teams in the NFC. So clearly, mm-hmm. people could call him out. Well, it's working. They're winning football games. Isn't that the end goal? You, you, you know, um, Mark, it's an excellent point that you make, but again, going in line, kind of the theme of what we're talking about here is just because someone's not doing it, first of all, uh, at a press conference or sitting with the media or in today's world and social media, it uh, doesn't mean coaches, I guarantee you, Pat Shermer and the rest of the coaching staff is calling everybody out to do certain mm-hmm. things. You know, team... Right. Team uh, Coach McGahey and the special teams called out the special team. I w- just got done talking about it with Michael Thomas. He, he said to him, uh, uh, "Yeah, he called out to Michael the game, Thomas. Co- called yeah. out Michael Thomas. Says, you know where it is. Th- number thirty-one. Don't don't really. He doesn't have it much anymore. He was doing that on purpose. So you know, coaches are calling out the players all the time. Whether they do it so everybody can hear is a different thing, right?" And I know we're all disappointed about the loss on Sunday. We all thought that was the game we were going to win. We didn't deserve to win it based on the play, but it was a winnable game. And when you look at who we've lost to, all those teams are above 500 except the Cardinals, who are now at 500. Mm. So it's not like we have a dumpster fire going on like you see across town and other places. But that gets to my point, you know, when you talk about execution, and that was a big point in yesterday's uh, show. You know, most people think it's special teams, offense, and defense. And I put a fourth category in there, and that's coaching execution. And I don't, there were a couple of decisions that Shermer made on Sunday where I don't think he really helped this team out. The first one didn't burn them, and that was using a timeout at, I think, 438 on a third down to stop the clock. Mm-hmm. There's way too much time going on there to use a timeout at that point, in my opinion. You can't get time back, but you can't get timeouts back either. But the thing that really ground my gears more than anything was putting them in a position 
uh, where they ran the draw at third and 18, and then they went at fourth and 15 in their own territory. Right. They hadn't made a fourth and 15 play all day. You punt the ball, you try to flip the field, maybe the guy fumbles the ball because it's bad weather, well, yeah, they're going to run the ball to but, stop but, the clock, but Mark, you use your timeout, but, but Mark, and then you have Daniel Jones working with a fresh set of downs, maybe at the 40-yard line. Mark, hold on a second. Th- that's fine in, in hindsight, okay? But let, let me, and this is not the Giants Chamber of Commerce talking, okay? But, but let me give you an example. With all that was said and done, and you just said, with all that was said and done, be it with the timeout, with 438, be it on the third and, and uh, 18, looking to get, maybe surprise them, I'll get 10 yards, and then I'm going to be left with a fourth and eight or whatever. But having said all that, it still played out the way they were hoping it was going to play out that they would have the ball with a buck 58, two minutes left, and a chance to win the game. You know what? As cockeyed and as what, as lousy with all the mistakes and what that they made, they had not one, but two chances within the last five minutes to drive down. So you're right. saying, you know, like to me, they still had a chance to do it. And then he was right, sacked but, once, and then he fumbled yeah. again. So, I, I mean, it, it becomes, you, you're saying, well, but fourth, a timeout with 438. They still got the ball with two minutes to go. They had the ball with two I, minutes to go. Right. Right. I understand, Russ, but let me give you my counter. We're probably not going to agree. But my problem with not punting and going at fourth and 15 is then they were down by six and not three. And then the other thing, Russ, is, and you can say it's 2020 hindsight. I, I figured it out. I've been watching the NFL for 61 years. Mm-hmm. And I can bet there are 100 games out there that I've watched where a team is in a similar position and they punt the ball, they preserve their timeouts, and they get the but, ball back. But, and but, but Mark, to do but, but, field goal. Mark. So, but, you know, but, Russ, but, I, let me just say one thing. I'll get off the line. Oh, my goodness. We have God. quality control coaches, we have analytics. I think Shermer needs to use some of those guys. Oh, he does. Well, he uh, does you know, Mark, now you're getting yeah. – part of it what was done, Mark, and thank you for the call, part of it what was done was because of analytics. But you're not, you're not listening to yourself. See, to me, if you talk about the timeout with 438, if you talk about at the end of the game, he still got the ball. So in Shermer's mind, they still had it not once but twice. Not once, but twice within with, with the final five minutes, twice with chances to win, not tie the game, to win the game. Well, Mar- and, and they failed. The whole premise of Mark's argument is that if you don't give the Cardinals a gift of field position, they don't tack on the field goal, and maybe it still stays a three-point game. However, my counter to Mark is, yeah, well, well, no, the bottom line I, is, Russ, the Giants never got even in field goal range, okay? If they got in field goal range, Mark, then I understand you're frustrated because you're going to play the game of, well, they only needed three points and they can't kick the field goal because they have to go for the touchdown because they're down by six. I get that. But if you go back to that drive that Russ is referencing, okay, we're talking about a team that takes over the football on their own 12 with 2.02 to go. And the drive ended at their own four-yard line. They lost eight yards as opposed to even moving forward. So let's take into consideration the facts. The facts are the Giants never even tasted field goal range. They taste field goal range. They didn't get into field goal range. Russ, I think we got maybe something to debate about. You shouldn't have maybe given them the gift of three points, but to me it's irrelevant because they didn't even get into field goal range. Uh, That's the point. Yeah. That, that is the point. And it's the same thing like, you know, and coulda, woulda, shoulda uh, if Rosas doesn't hit a goalpost. Yeah, well, there's another one. There's three points right there. Yeah, who knows how the game changes from there. You know, it, it's just too easy. I, I mean, I, I get it. Everybody wants, well, this and that. But all what, what Mark was saying, and, and I understand that, Mark, but all, all what you were saying was in the end, they still had a chance. You know, it's like we were hearing about it yesterday. Oh, how, wh- why didn't he tell him not to, uh, uh, Darius Late not to run the ball out? Well, you know, so he ran the ball out. And, and the coach had said, no, if he was deep in the end zone, no, that's a no-no. He's trying to make a play. 
It's late in the game. He's trying to make a play. So they ended up on the 12 or the 13 instead of the 25. So after a uh, after a sack and a fumble, what would they would have ended up yeah, on the 12 instead of the four? Yeah, I mean, come I, on. Of course. Yeah. The facts of how the drive played out can't be dismissed. You, you can't have the philosophy, because this is more of a hypothetical, Russ, that in the event the Giants started the drive at the 25 and that Darius Layden took a knee so they got a touchback, that all of a sudden the offense is going to be able to solve Chandler Jones and there's going to be completely different results, okay? The Arizona Cardinals had eight sacks. They didn't have eight sacks because they just were lucky enough to get eight sacks. They beat the Giants in the trenches, and they did that consistently, specifically in the latter part of the game. So whether they start at the 25, they start at the 12, to me, once again, that's irrelevant. They weren't able to move the football. If they get into field goal range, I think it's a completely different story, but that didn't come to fruition for the Giants. Yeah, I, I mean, but, you know, to talk about analytics, I, I mean, that we had people complaining about going with the analytics. So, Well, and here's the other thing with respect to analytics, Russ. Do you really think, whether you like the play call, you like the execution, whatever it may be, I've never heard a coach say, you know what, we went into fourth and 15, we didn't feel good about our play call. We felt that we were only going to get 10 yards out of this and we were going to be forced to punt. They went into that call thinking there's a good chance they're going to pick up the first down. It didn't work out, and that's the beauty of this business. When it doesn't work out— You're a bum, right? and when it works out, you're a genius. There you go. End of story. And that, I think, that's always the case. Yeah. And Shermer actually even said that after the game, and I think he was spot on. The conversation completely changes if the result changes. Then we're not having the conversation about the play calling. So that's why my focus, Russ, is more on the lack of execution, the drop passes, the penalties, the— issue of holding on to the football by the quarterback, the lack of pass protection. I'd rather break that down and talk about that more so than, well, on 4th and 15, if they would have called this, they would have been guaranteed to get the first down. That's just a, a coulda, woulda, shoulda, live to see another day type of scenario. Two zero one nine three nine four five one three is the number. Again, want to remind everybody, Big Blue Kickoff Live here brought to you by Coors Light. If you choose to enter uh, to win the ultimate VIP game day experience courtesy of Coors Light. Well, then you want to text VIP to 90464. That's VIP to 90464 for more details. What do you say we uh, go back to the phone lines again? 201-939-4513 is the number. Let's go to Watertown, New York, and check in with our old friend Dylan. Haven't heard from Dylan in a while. Hello, Dill. You're on with Russ and Lance. Hey, good afternoon, guys. How's it going? Good. How you doing, Dylan? Good. Uh, I've been trying to contribute on Twitter when I can, but today I actually got the opportunity to call, so uh, it's good to talk to you guys again. Good to hear from um, you. Um, I really like the John Buchanan signing. Um, I think he brings versatility and speed to the defense, and I'm hoping he can tackle well. Uh, obviously, tackling's been a little bit of an issue this year, but what I really liked about him is that they can utilize him without pulling a safety down in the box if they do use them. Um, I know that they've been sometimes pulling Jabril Peppers down and using that look, but if they have Buchanan on there, you know, they can they can put Peppers back at the safety spot, have him play more safety than playing in the box, and uh, hopefully Buchanan will help covering tight ends too because I know that's been a weakness for not just this year but many years for the Giants, um, trying to find linebackers that can cover tight ends. So I'm hoping with his He's a more athletic linebacker, basically like a safety. Um, he can help bring some of that uh, play ability to their defense. Um, but it's going to be interesting, too, this Sunday, playing against a lot of former Giants. And uh, I saw that Paul Perkins was promoted yep. today, so I'm hoping that he doesn't end up being like Chase Edmonds and burn the Giants' defense on Sunday. But um other than that, I'm pretty excited. I think this is kind of one of those games you go into a you know, pretty hostile atmosphere in Detroit, but maybe try to turn things around and get some and, you know, make some plays and hopefully get a win. Well, you know what, Dylan, when you're traveling to the other team's venue, you're always in hostile territory. So that goes without saying, yeah, listen, as I said, I don't know if you heard us at the top of the show, they got a three-game losing streak, and they're coming off a lousy loss. Uh, stop the bleeding by any means necessary. J- just get a W any which way you can. You got to steal it, pound somebody into submission any which way. Just get it done. 
Well, they got to play complementary football. They got to protect the football. Those are the two obvious things. As far as the concern about the running back, uh, I wouldn't really be too overwhelmed with Paul Perkins because you know, they got Ty Johnson. They got J.D. McKissick uh, well ahead of him on the depth chart. So Perkins, to me, was called up as an insurance policy. You know, whoever's back there for the Lions, they got to be concerned about, whether it's Chase Edmonds or David Johnson and the Cardinals. Same thing goes with the Detroit Lions. I agree with your point, Dylan, about Dayon Buchanan. I do think he's a versatile player. I think that you can move him around. I think, though, coming in initially, the Giants are going to want him to probably play linebacker and help the interior of that linebacking group more so than maybe float him out to safety, where right now you have Jabril Peppers, you have Antoine Bethea, you also have Michael Thomas. I think they have a few options. I think what they want to do is they want to shore up the ability in the middle of the field, and that's where perhaps Buchanan can help. It's also going to be interesting to see you know, how he fits into this Giants defense compared to what we saw in Tampa Bay. Because, you know, with Tampa Bay, he was reuniting with Todd Bowles, who he worked with also in Arizona. And for some reason, they only played him 10 defensive snaps. He was mainly a special teamer. I'm assuming the Giants have much bigger plans for him on defense than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did, especially because, you know, the Bucs at least drafted Devin White after the fact. So you can argue, all right, they wanted to groom the younger guy. The Giants don't have Devin White. So I think the dynamics with the Giants defense much different than Tampa Bay. I wouldn't read too much into the fact, well, why didn't Tampa Bay play him as much? I think they wanted to give the younger guy a few more options, but there's a call for him to come in and make a significant impact, but I think it's going to be more so at linebacker than safety in the initial stages of his playing time. Yeah, and I also like that, you know, obviously he's familiar with Betcher and he's playing with some of his teammates, so yeah, maybe absolutely. with the communication aspects. I know there's been sometimes miscommunication on the defense, so hopefully with his presence, he's able to help the young guys and then be able to develop with his former teammates again. Yeah, you you know, Dylan, in fairness to the defense, um, look, uh, as bad as the performance was, and uh, to me it was really, you know, it was a very disappointing performance, you know, from the Giants. I think the Giants, to a man, would tell you that, players, coaches, everybody up and down the line. But having said that, you know, people were talking about, well, the, the poor play of the defense, and certainly as you talked about the Edmonds runs it had its problems, but at the same time, in fairness to the defense, you know, when you're turning the ball over like that, the offense is not helping the yeah, defense. Yeah, you're not doing any favors for the defense. There's no <laughs> doubt about that. You, you know, uh, so it's, you know, when, coach, when a coach says it's, it's not just one thing, you know, uh, like, like Lance brought out, they would drop passes. You know, I, I, Evan Ingram dropped a pass. Big one. Um, Saquon dropped a pass. You yep. know, uh, right over the middle. I mean, and, and he just looked up, banged his head. You yeah. know, I mean, those are all the th- little things. Y- you know, you you lost the game by six points. Uh, you played lousy. And you still, you know, had a chance to win in the final Two minutes of the game. You know, so all those plays, you know, it's, it's not just one thing. And Dylan, thanks for the phone call. In terms of the other troubling trend, Russ, here, which is what you just alluded to, the last two games they've also dug themselves in early holes. And you can't expect to just continue win games playing catch-up. Remember, they were down 14 nothing to the Patriots in the blink of an eye, and then you're down 17 nothing to the Cardinals. So, yes, credit to the Giants. They fought their way back in each of the last two games, but think about how much energy you exhaust making up for a two-touchdown deficit. Then you get even, or you pull within three, and you got to pull even deeper to move ahead and build some type of a lead. It's very difficult to do that. And it's uh, not being, you know detrimental or you know derogatory towards the, the Giants but they're not good enough to be able to get out of those holes well, especially when you turn the ball over like yeah. that yeah there's no doubt about it yeah I, I mean you, you're not helping yourself you, you know like if you see a team like the Patriots if the Patriots go in a 14 nothing hole well then you're not necessarily uh-oh the end of the world's coming but when you get you know that that to me what was discouraging about this game I thought the Giants made, even though they lost by 21 points in, in, to, to the uh, Patriots, and, and was a short man, uh, you know, personnel-wise, 
I thought they played their butts off that game. And, and uh, you know, there was progress. Yeah, especially the defense. There was, in particular, the defense. That's why, that's why the last game I felt was, you know, very, very frustrating. It just wasn't, um, you know, it, it was a, a collapse. Well, you got the Marcus Golden return fumble for a score. You did not have Tom Brady light you up. I think he felt some pressure, and you had opportunities because you took the ball away from him, especially the Marcus Golden play. Lorenzo Carter forced the fumble. You get the interception. It was just a matter of, once again, this goes back to our theme of complementary football. The offense needs to help out the defense, Russ, and the defense needs to help out the offense. And we haven't seen that on a consistent basis during this three-game losing streak. So when you have a takeaway, you got to put points on the board. See, that's what the opponents are doing. You know, that's the other part of this. The Cardinals, Russ, they scored 17 points off of three Giants takeaways, okay? They cashed those in. Two touchdowns in the field. New England, New England had four takeaways. They put up 14 points. You could have argued they could have even done more damage. But what are the Giants then on the flip side doing when they take away the football? They're not always cashing it in. And that, to me, is a big difference between the Giants and their most recent opponents. Well, uh, uh, but again, you know, in, fair, in fairness also, uh, well, you, you had more firepower back in your lineup this week. You know, when you say about what are they doing when they're not cashing in, but they haven't had the top guns in the lineup to cash in. No, they, there's no doubt about that. But in fairness, Russ, and I'm sure Pat Shermer would point to this, the Cardinals did not have David Johnson and Christian Kirk, okay? Right. okay? They did not have their starting running back and their top wide receiver. New England loses Josh Gordon during the Patriots game, okay? They were already down a few guys, specifically on defense. Patrick Chung, one of their top safeties. So the bottom line is I could go back to every Giants game and I could point to the opposition not having one or two guys. Maybe not to the extent, Russ, to your point that the Giants were decimated by injuries, but they also were going up people. against teams yeah. that were missing pieces, oh, and those enough. teams found ways to win games. So I think if you ask even the Giants coaching staff, the last thing they're going to point to is the reason why they're 2-5 and five right now is simply because Sterling Shepard hasn't played the last few games, Evan Ingram missed a game, and Saquon Barkley missed a few games. 201-939-4513 is the number. Let's go down to South Florida and check in with Robert. Hello, Robert. You're on with Russ and Lance. Thanks a lot. You guys are doing a great job on the trying circumstances. <laughs> trying circumstances. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Go ahead. What do you got, you know, Rob? I go back to the days of uh, when old Mo didn't mean momentum changes. It meant Dick Modulewski. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but, you know, I think, Lance, you hit the nail on the head about uh, it's the performance of the players on the field. That's the issue. But my question is, is why are we – been consistently treated by for bad football for the last couple of years. You know, why is it that, uh, maybe these are rhetorical questions, but why is it that in the first half of the, every game except for the Patriots game, our defense can't stop anybody and they look confused out there. And the only reason why they gave up 30-yard, 40-yard drives is because they didn't start on the other team didn't start on the uh, their own two yard line because when they did we gave up 98 yard drives and uh, also you know why is it that our offensive line even though you know we've been revamped and it's technically theoretically much better than it was before you know guys are getting free shots on our quarterback and you know we're still losing yardage every now and then on first down runs by one of the best running backs in the league and uh well well one of the best well, Robert in fairness you know what 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 you're saying you know you know makes sense but in fairness one of the best running backs in the league hasn't been playing you know up, up until this past week so, you know, in, in terms of that, listen, you, you know, you're talking about lack of execution in a lot of areas, okay? You there? Yeah, it sounds yeah, like you said. Okay. You, you, talk, you know, listen, you sound like you're an old football fan. When you talk about lack of execution, I always think of um, John McKay. I remember the, that. The, the very first uh, head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers when he, right. was, he was asked, 
after a game. What do you think about the execution of your offense? To which he, uh, McKay replied, I'm all for it. You, you know, I mean, yeah. uh, you know, t- tongue in cheek. But listen, I, for some reason, right, th- it sounds like a bad connection, Rob, but thank you for the call. But uh, yeah, they, they have to get better executing all the way around. Well, I think it's a great question that Robert posed because it is a trend of getting off to slow starts, as I just noted. And he was pointing to opening drive, Russ, 13 plays, 75 yards. They nearly milked seven minutes off the clock, and they scored a touchdown. Well, they went the length of the field. Well, Shermer was asked, and that's I'm glad you brought that up. Shermer was asked after the game, you know, can you explain? It, it looked like they there was a lack of energy or what, the, you know, the slow start. And uh, Shermer brought out the point, well, they had like an eight-minute drive. If your defense has, uh, if the, the off their offense has an eight minute drive, and then your offense comes on and goes three and out, all of a sudden that's why it seems like a slow, not into the game uh, attitude. Yeah. Well, and Arizona wanted to wear down the Giants' sure. defense. Mission accomplished. But to answer the caller's question, I think the rationale behind, well, you know, why are you not seeing the defense get off the field? To me, it's not that these guys are not energized and they don't have the desire to play. I think it goes back to you have a missed tackle on third down. A drive continues, Russ. Okay, so now all of a sudden you're keeping the opposing offense on the field when maybe you could have got it off the field. If it's a third and one or a third and two and you have an opportunity once again to make a stop at the trenches, you give them an opportunity to convert. Kyler Murray, if you go back to that opening drive, they face three third downs. Okay, it's important to note this. They faced a third and five, they faced a third and six, and they faced a third and seven. Okay, not overwhelming third downs, I would say, but let's also look at the amount of yardage that was given up. On the third and five, Kyler Murray hooks up with Larry Fitzgerald for 12 yards. They needed five, Russ. They picked up 12. Okay, then on the third and six, they needed six. They got 12 again. Murray hooked up with Charles Clay as tight end, and then on the third and seven, okay, they were stopped meaning they only got four yards, but they decided to go for it. So you have another opportunity to force them to turn it over on downs. And on a fourth and three, you give up four yards. So the opportunities were there for the Giants to make the stops. They did not make those stops, whether it be missed tackles, players out of position, miscues, and so forth. And that's the big reason why I think you're seeing some of the opponents start off very strong, putting together lengthy drives, the inability for this team to get off the field on third down. 201-939-4513 201-939-4513 is the number. Let's go down to South Carolina, check in with, uh, who, who? who's that, Mystery? It, sound, it looks like that, Mystery. That's right, yes. Mystery. 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 All right, Mystery. Yes. Hey, what do you hey have guys, for us? How you doing again? Good to speak with you. I'm actually in Brooklyn. I'm from South Carolina, but that's really All right, Well, you got to okay. represent like, Brooklyn. Now, hold on. Before we get to the nuts y- y- of... Wait a minute. Yeah. Hold on. You're talking to two fellow Brooklynites. Well, where where in Brooklyn are yeah, you from? I mean, come on. Is, is that supposed to be a mystery, too? <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, I'm, I'm actually right in Bed-Stuy, Brooklyn. Born in, I was born in South Carolina, but raised in Bed-Stuy. There you go. All right, so, very so, nice. All right, so wait. My family is... Half Jets and half Giants, so I'm the half Giants. Okay, so, 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 so well, wait a minute, mystery, keeping it a mystery. Where'd you go to high school in Brooklyn? Erasmus Hall. Oh, yeah. okay. He's a public school guy. Very nice. That's right. Yeah. That's, I'm, one, I'm, one of the, I'm one of the Dutchmen, flying Dutchmen. One, yeah. one of the Dutchmen. I've loved football to death, but I was on the Erasmus Hall gymnastics team. <laughs> <laughs> Well, see, now you're really giving away the mystery here. you got to be careful yeah, with know, the type of details. Hey, guys, yeah. I listened to the show yesterday, and I agree with a lot of what you guys say. People want to point the finger on, you know, on defense, on offense, on coaches, on execution. Although I did hear one gentleman call yesterday mention fundamentals. I agree with that. The sad thing to me is that, and I won't hear what you guys have to say, these guys are all professionals being paid and i don't mean just the players all professionals being paid consequently the fundamentals you should have had locked in long long time ago at your elementary level i would say now here you are at the professional level being played you watched all of these teams that the giants have played this season they know who they're playing the giants know who they're playing the coaches have a week or whatever the time period to prepare as well the players when those days come up when the game day comes up it's up to you to execute at the very bare minimum, your fundamentals. No, not the minimum, because you're being paid at the execution of excellence to at least shouldn't even be questioned that you've done the fundamental basics. If you don't, it'll cl- it will glare. You play the Patriots 
handsomely, even though you lost. And then you play a team you're supposed to or should win, and you look like you couldn't to catch a cold in a phone booth. Well, you, you know, mystery, you, you, yeah. I, I wouldn't argue with anything you just said, but what is the one fundamental rule? As long as you, th- and you're 100% right. Now, you're not mm-hmm. 99%. I'd say you're 100% right. But since we're talking about fundamentals, what is the number one, the number one mystery fundamental rule in football? Win. No, protecting no, the no. football. Protecting the football. Oh, well, okay. <laughs> okay, but, yeah, no, no, yeah, no, but you find... You're right. And, and, you don't have the ball, you don't win the game. And, and you, and you know what? The ball. But, but here's the thing. Wasn't the knock on Jones coming out of college his inability to protect the football? Everybody said that was the only knock they had on him was that he didn't protect the football well. well so now he's in the pro setting. I thought that's... A, I'm sure they did. I don't even doubt that. I know these coaches are brilliant at what they do. They probably were riddling him as much as they could about securing the football. When they're going to... Mystery, they're going to keep doing it. In, in fairness in, in fairness to uh, Daniel Jones in Duke, uh, at Duke, he didn't have a whole lot of protection and a whole lot of help. And, and I've heard this from several people. Uh, uh, people who played against him, uh, man, that boy is tough because he, he took some vicious, vicious hits in college. You know, when you say you know, fundamentals, uh, you know, and it was a problem in college, when you're getting smacked around, listen, I am not making excuses. You've heard us say quite lengthy here, Mystery, that he's got to protect the football. But, yes. but you know, part of protecting the football is making sure that he's protected as well. It's, 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 it's like, you know, the hip bones connected to the thigh bone, the thigh, thigh bone. bone exactly. you no, know, that's, it's all, it's all goes hand in hand. Well, listen, my last thing, and I'll take it off the air guys, is this, since we're doing the whole, I will, Lance said about, okay, yeah, we played it against people who had their main, a few main people out. So that's no excuse. You're on the field. You're supposed to play, catch the ball, throw the ball, run the ball. What do you guys think? And I just personally feel, I think Jones is a really smart quarterback. I think he's able, I think our offensive aggression is lacking. And I don't, and I mean, primarily I'm leaning towards a play, play calling. And with that, I'm going to take it off the air, guys. Thanks a lot. Well, well okay. Yeah. No, I, I was going to say, and appreciate the phone call. I, I mean, thank I, you, Mr. Good I, call. If anything, I, I would argue, I think it's sometimes you can maybe say he's being too aggressive, Russ, yeah. uh, because Daniel Jones sometimes is thrown into such tight windows and the percentages show that and back that up. If you look at the analytical studies, the windows he's throwing to compared to some other quarterbacks, I think Daniel Jones is extremely aggressive. I, I think he's extremely aggressive. I think mystery might have been alluding to maybe some of, of different play calling or what, but in fairness, uh, you know, in particular on offense, well, you know, when you don't have Evan Ingram in a lineup, when you don't have uh, – Saquon Barkley in a lineup when you didn't Shepherd. have Golden uh, Tate in for the first four games when you don't have Shepard, that's gonna you know you can't go into a fight a heavyweight fight with one hand tied behind your back you know you know so in fairness when you're lacking all your artillery it's hard to go into battle you know with a, a, a you know as I always say a water pistol the throw to Red Ellison was an aggressive oh, throw yeah. uh, you know he throws that. A fraction of a second late. Who knows? Maybe the safety comes over, picks that off. Uh, Darius Slayton throw in the Tampa Bay game when he's going to be sacked as he rolls out to his left. So I see some aggressiveness. I, I don't think that's the reason why the offense is struggling. And also, it's hard to be aggressive with the play calling when you're seeing a lot of pressure in your face. You know, Max protecting, making sure that the quarterback has a clean pocket should be the utmost priority before you start digging deep into your bag of tricks and calling on things that maybe you're not used to executing on a consistent level. I think the biggest priority right now is to make sure that the eighth sack performance does not duplicate itself again. No, I mean, you can't afford that yeah. uh, this week. But, but you know, he also, you, one thing that Daniel Jones does, and, and he, he can do it, and he does it, and he does it well, he can put that ball into a very he tight, can, yeah. very tight area. And that's something that, receivers should be very glad about at the same time and, I, and I've mentioned this the last couple of weeks there were a few times this year you know more than on one occasion where I've seen both the receiver and the defensive back get their hands on a ball well you got to grab that ball 
If, if you're a receiver, you got to grab that ball. If we're both here, I got to grab the ball. And I don't see that sometimes. So, again, Daniel Jones doesn't get a pass, but neither did the receivers on certain plays. Let's uh, stick in Brooklyn. We go from mystery to Mike. Hello, Mike. You're on with Russ and Lance. Hey, guys. How you doing? Good. How you doing, Mike? All right. Um, just a couple of quick points. Um, the problem with uh, Slayton taking the ball out from the one-yard line. Now, I wonder if we would have so many uh, problems with that if the guy returned the ball for a touchdown. Oh, exactly. You know, yeah, yeah, you know, it could happen. You know, and and with you know with his speed, I know he doesn't have a lot of experience re, uh, returning kickoffs, but you got to give it a shot. Mike c- couldn't agree with you. You know, it, it's what we said. I may, may, I guess maybe you didn't hear us earlier. If the play works, then then everybody's applauding the aggressiveness. You know, okay. Yeah. I didn't it, hear that. I'm sorry. Yeah. No. When the play works, everybody is. Oh, they're doing a a jig. Everybody's happy as a pig and slop, but they're not. And when it doesn't work, it goes the opposite way. Well, and, and after the game, Pat Shermer even said, "I trust my playmakers. I'm going to give them opportunities to make plays." So his rationale was, "Yeah, if he returns it for a touchdown, we're not talking about it." And and that was why Pat Shermer didn't have an issue with Darius Slayton choosing to take it out of the end zone because there is that slight chance that you're right, Mike. He does return it, and then you're going to wish that he had that mindset every single time a kickoff comes his way. Yeah, and it was only a yard deep. I could see if it was five, six, seven, eight yards deep. Mikey, that's, know, that, of course. That's the, Mike. That's exactly what Pat Shermer said. If it if he would have been that far that far deep into the end zone, he would have had something to say about it. But with a yard deep in the end zone, let's go try and make a play. That, exactly. That's all. Yeah. Uh, the second point and um, eighteen yeah. fourth and. Uh, yeah. The fourth and fifteen play you talk. I'm not. About. I, I'm sorry. The fourth and fifteen play is that what you're referring to? I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't go with it. All right, Mike. It, it seems like you're breaking Mike, in and out. Unfortunately, yeah, Mike, we got a bad connection. You're breaking up. Thank you very much. Sorry, but the last uh, your last question was uh, breaking up on us. Two zero one nine three nine four five one three. Let's go down to Virginia and check in with Jesse. Jesse, you're on with Russ and Lance. Hi guys, how are y'all? How you doing? Um, I actually want to talk about the fourth and fifteen play as well. Um, I actually didn't think that was a horrible idea. Uh, backed up that far, so little time left on the clock. Uh, I thought I thought it was a good idea. Hold them to three. We're still within one possession, and they can't burn time off the clock, or as much time off the clock as they could have had we punted. They had forty yards to go. Just uh, again, you're you're not going to get an argument from me. But the, the reason. I- the reason you don't get an argument... Hello? You there? Hello? Yes. Yeah. It's not, what, are you building a house or something? <laughs> it's not like he jumped out of the car and then he I built think, a house. That's what he did. Uh, I think the wind's getting to the phone. I'm, out, I'm actually outside working. Okay, but, but, but Jess, uh, yeah, I agree with you. You, you know, it, with all that having been said, and again, we said this earlier, with all that we're talking about, from, from one yard into the end zone to, to fourth and 15... They still had a chance with two minutes to go to drive and win the game. But instead of moving forward, as as Lance brought up, they started on the 13 and wound up on the 4, going in the wrong direction. You're right. I I couldn't. There is no disputing here. But you're talking to two guys here who agree with that logic. So. Right, like I said, um, that seemed like the best option at that point. My wife actually asked me while we was watching the game why that happened. That was the explanation I gave her. It was probably the most likely. Um, and then one more thing, um, just kind of get you guys' takes on I was reading earlier. can't remember which side, side I was on, but um, it was rumored of Nate Solder going to – being traded to Cleveland. I'll just – I'll take the answer off the air. I just wanted to get you uh, get uh, your yeah, guys' you know, opinions Jess, on that. Jess, you can stay on the air. I, I mean, I, I was I was reading today. People are throwing stuff out now, po- possibilities of guys being traded because of the money that they make. You, you know, with trade deadline coming up, I think it's right. just, just stuff being thrown out there. Yeah, I mean, the deadline is next Tuesday. There's been a lot of trades over the last few weeks, and 
I mean, certainly anything is always possible, but uh, you got to look at it this way. The Giants, if they were to part ways with Nate Solder, they'd have to have a lot of confidence that they have somebody on the roster that'd be able to fill in at left tackle. And I don't believe that's the case at this juncture. I think that's the way you also need to look at some of these rumors, and uh, it's always nice to have something to talk about at this time of the year. Whether they have substance behind it is a whole other thing, and I appreciate the phone call, Jesse. Thanks for weighing in. Thanks, Jess. Uh, I I, I was reading that, you know, let's now... It's like in baseball, it's basketball, yeah, it's hockey. Rumors. Uh, well, well, no, yeah. as, as we approach trading deadlines, of course. let's look at the, we got a team that has a losing record, so let's look at the guys making the most money in order. And I, obviously, uh, the guy making the most money ain't going anyplace. Yeah, That's well, also when the Giants signed Nate Solder, the mindset wasn't we're just going to use him for two years right. and then move on. So if Nate Solder had a year left on his contract, he had an expiring deal, I think maybe there's a little bit more to talk about. He doesn't have an expiring deal. So uh, you got to look at it. How does that help the Giants in the long run? And who replaces him? You know, you always have to have plan B when you execute plan A, Russ. <laughs> you can't just get rid of a player and say, eh, you know, we'll bring a guy off the street. He'll be okay playing left tackle. Don't worry about and it. And you're also bringing in, uh, you just brought in a new young yeah, rookie quarterback. Got to protect the quarterback. <laughs> I mean, if you want him, we're talking about being aggressive and, and you know, his growth. You, as Lance said, you got to make sure he's protected. Otherwise, the whole game plan becomes a cockamamie idea. Let's go to New Mexico. We got a time for a call or two before we wrap things up here. With Let's go to New Mexico and check in with Mike. Mike, you're on with Russ and Lance. How's it going, guys? Uh, first time caller, long time listener, so I'm a little nervous, if you don't mind. Don't, don't, be, worry, don't, don't, don't be nervous. All right. Well, I have uh, quick questions about the uh, defense. Um, I don't know what our percentages is of blitzing, but it seems like we're waiting back a lot and not really trying to make something happen. I don't know what the... Percentages was his last game of our blitz packages, but I wonder if we could put a little bit more pressure to cause our own turnovers to kind of, you know, get something going for our defense. That's my first question. And uh, my second one is, man, did they have something out for Mr. Hernandez? Because for where I'm from here in New Mexico, uh, he played at the university right down the road from us, and we're big fans of him, but it seems like the referee is calling for some tic-tac holding. I wonder, do they have it out for him? Oh, for my big man? Out for, or? Well, you're right. There have been a number of holding calls against him, but I, I don't think anybody has a thing against Will Hernandez. Yeah. There was one actually really good call against him where he was holding the yeah. guy on the shoulder pads. It was a legitimate hold. In, in fact, I was angry about the call till they showed it. and I said, oops, yeah, that, yeah. that's a hold, Mike. So uh, I'm a big fan of Will. I think Will Hernandez got a tremendous future in this league. Uh, he's made progress. Uh, just yeah, listen. You can say that about a lot of people. You know, people could say that. Do they have it in for uh, Nate Solder as well? <laughs> yeah. That's true. Now, also, now I I don't I kind of understand it, but I don't. You know, I know Shermer calls our calls and everything, and our OTs, uh, Mr. Shula. So, like, who calls? I know he calls the plays, but I mean, what does the what does our OC does? Like, does he have some kind of input of what we call during the game? You know, because like that that draw was that all Shermer, or did he have an input on that as well too? Well, on that fourth and fifteenth draw, I would think. And thanks for the call, Mike, because we we, we got to wrap things up here. Well, Mike Shula, first of all, is also in charge of coaching up the quarterbacks, okay? He's not just the offensive coordinator. He also is consulting with Daniel Jones in the offense when the defense is out on the field. Because remember, Shermer is the head coach has to also be paying attention to what's going on with the defense because he's in charge of the whole team. I think Shula is also a voice that Pat Shermer leans on. They constantly are discussing what's been working throughout the game, what needs to be tweaked. He's a soundboard, essentially, is one way to view it. But to just dismiss the fact that, well, Shula doesn't call plays, so therefore he doesn't hold an important role, I, I think is extremely misleading. If you remember, okay, you know, Ben McAdoo, initially was calling plays and you had Mike Sullivan here and Mike Sullivan was sort of the same type of role as Mike Shula Russ. Right. He wasn't just coming to work every day, putting his hands in his pocket and looking pretty. <laughs> okay. There's value in having somebody when you're a head coach, who's also a play caller, you need somebody else to help communicate and talk with the offense while you're paying attention to the rest of the game. Okay. Because it's kind of like the bench coach in baseball. Exactly. It, the game doesn't stop. So you can now make adjustments just for one facet of your team. And real quickly, Russ, as far as the blitz question is concerned, they're not blitzing a lot. 
not based on the percentage, but I think part of the rationale is, you know, James Betcher inherited a very young secondary. Do you really want to go all out and blitz with these guys and then leave nobody on the back end? I think as there's more maturity shown by the secondary and a better feel, and they've also been utilizing a lot of different personnel because of the injuries at linebacker, maybe he feels more comfortable being a little bit more aggressive, but right now they're going with the four-man fronts or the five-man guys that are going after the quarterback. And you know what? To the Giants' credit, the pass rush hasn't necessarily been an issue because I think the sack numbers are much more impressive oh, than they uh, were at this time last oh, year. Much, much yeah. more impressive. So, But uh, right now, that is a wrap here on today. want to thank the very lovely Nicole Barrows for taking good care of us at the controls. Uh, my buddy here, Lance Meadow. I am Russ Salzberg. And of course, last but certainly not least, thank you people out there. Because without you people out there, we'd have nobody here to be talking to. So until next time, have yourselves a great week. I'll see you next Tuesday. Have a good one.